Hello, and welcome to the Vanquisher's Guide. I'm Bryce. I'm Bradley. I'm Randy, and I was starting to wonder if you've forgotten the order. Oh, what? not this week. Hopefully. It was no, never. it was just slightly a long pause, and I was like, "Oh, oh no!" It was for oh, okay, it was for it. the dramatic effect. Uh, um, well, the dramatic effect scared me. I like to think keep things uh, spooky in this uh, in the season of spook. In this spooky, spooky season, it spooked yeah. me for sure. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> this week is gonna be a pretty special one. I feel. Oh yay! Yeah, this, like is, uh, this is week three in our spooky month of October. Kind of the special theme that we're doing of like except, exceptionally like horror-themed uh, mm. episodes. And this one, this episode that we're going to be diving into today is actually a pretty special one to me. We're going to be covering a topic, a monster that I first wanted to do since we started this, but I just kind of wanted to continue getting a bit better at podcasting before we did it and i thought what a better time to do it than our special halloween month yeah feels appropriate feels understandable especially uh you gotta make sure you get a good good creature for the halloween time frame yeah absolutely and man what a creature Season. this one's gonna be oh. but uh, I also wanted to, just quickly before we really jump into this, uh, this monster we're going to be talking about today is uh, quite gory and pretty focused on like body horror. And some of the lore that we're going to be talking about has pretty strong themes of like self-harm and suicide. So just a little bit of a content warning there for you is that if any of those you find are... Uh, not really for you or you know you're pretty sensitive to those topics this one might be uh one that you might want to sit out which is Smart. no problem at all you know we'll catch you next episode but just want yeah, to just go back that... and watch one of our more lighthearted. <laughs> yeah just wanted to give that uh kind of content yeah. warning up front that makes sense yeah but to actually dive into it uh what would you guys say is the absolute worst case scenario you have seen in media for like a zombie type outbreak slash kind of infection? Hmm. Worst case scenario of a zombie? Like worst thing? of the worst. Yeah. I think one of the worst I've seen, I mean, this is a little bit of a callback to a previous episode we've done is the last of us because of how grounded that is. And like, it's not so much grounded in reality, but grounded in like, it is, it feels very, uh like in a normal person's life and very very relatable to a normal humans it's very in the ground like or sorry on the ground in just normal everyday life you're you're not like on an army base out in a crazy place so to me that's a very very worst case scenario place cuz you just see how it just tears apart people's lives and yeah. it's very not very violent uh apocalypse so to me i think that one's a really cool one yeah, the like uh, cordyceps infection featured in it's that one brutal. is like so brutal and it progresses so fast mm. and like it's just absolutely relentless and it's very very infectious. You know, yeah, definitely a bad one. What do you think, Brad? Um, I never would have said this because I have never don't actually played in the games, so don't hate on me. <laughs> but yesterday, um, I was playing a board game with a few people. It was the Resident Evil 2 board game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
let me tell you, board games are board games, right? They're not even like <laughs> they sure are visually aesthetic, but like let me tell you, I was like freaking out. Like I was having a panic attack being chased by zombies. Um and then since since then, uh which is today, I have mm. been getting into some of the Resident Evil lore and like oh, really types of zombies and, and like it is oh, it's dude. intense. Like it's completely, intense. completely every time I go into any kind of lore, I'm like, man, they've thought about this before. <laughs> Seriously. And uh, the Resident Evil lore is very intense. And let me tell you, I would not want to mess with any of those zombies. Yeah, I mean, especially like, like the like the mutation ones that like I don't know if they're considered the zombies, but like there's like that doctor guy that has like different stages of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, is that Wesker? Spookiness? I think so. I, I think I think that's Wesker. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Resident Evil is definitely like. I mean, like the there's like normie zombies in that, which you think are like ah, they're they're pretty slow, they're not too bad, Basic, you know. Yeah. But but then you get like these crazy like biological. Well, I was getting weapons, chased by these zombie dogs, you know? and oh, let yeah, me tell the zombie you, dogs are pretty bad. It was too. zombie dogs are <laughs> the not, worst. It was not what I was wanting to do. <laughs> I was over here just trying to find my little key, and so yeah. yeah. Even for a board game, I was getting scared. <laughs> Resident Evil is a different kind of beast, where it's like. It is a very cool, very scary, like horror, like zombie apocalypse kind of thing. But it also starts like as you get further into the series, it gets like so extreme. Like, yeah, the the creatures Mm -hmm. that they have become so absurd that like they start to leave the era of horror and start to just go into the absurd. This is just stupid kind of area. Yeah. Which is like not a bad thing. It's kind of it's it's still cool and it's very interesting and the lore is very neat. But yeah, those creatures that you get in Resident Evil are freaking wild. You you get some weird weird creatures in that. Yeah, that like a lot of those zombies and like the special kind of variants and like stuff like that easily very like world ending. You know, if you don't have mm-hmm. a boulder punching psychopath like Chris, you know, roaming around. <laughs> boulder punching psychopath but anyway i guess on to me and on to the one that we're going to be talking yeah about what's today. your favorite oh easily i mean like the only one that i think that would even come close to uh my favorite one and the one that i think is the worst would be i mean the flood which we did an episode Flood's pretty before. brutal as well but dead spaces necromorphs yeah these things are some of the most brutal the absolute worst case scenario you could probably ever imagine for like a zombie type <laughs> like calling them zombies is almost a bit of a disservice because I, like, yeah they're so much more than that they're crazy yeah but to, uh also kind of briefly give a, a little bit of a synopsis on like how the the dead space games and kind of uh stuff like that works for people that don't know is that dead space is a originally a sci-fi horror game uh where you play as a space engineer named isaac clark this is pretty like kind of in the far future and in that game you must wade through an inexorable tide of undead horrors to get to the bottom and try to stop a necromorph outbreak so you're like this dude on this uh very secluded uh huge like space mining ship and it's very atmospheric very spooky it is absolutely horrifying 
and you're just going through and you're trying to basically survive. And in the first game, at least, you're trying to find your uh, wife, I believe. Right. And it's kind of cool that, like, you're just a... And, and this is becomes a really important game mechanic as well, that you're just, like, a regular dude. You're just an engineer. It's like yeah. you're not a cool dude. You're not a boulder-punching psychopath. You're just yeah. a regular guy with, like, engineering tools to try and deal with it, which I think is really neat. And, like, all the guns in the game are exactly that they're just like engineering tools that he retrofits to make work which i think is yeah. a really cool thing that they do to and also to add the the horror part of it i like the um how in the first one right he doesn't talk at all and like mm-hmm. people talk around you um yeah he is silent but like he he makes like some like like grunts and stuff but it's almost like a silent film that you're living in and it kind of <laughs> freaks me out a little bit when i don't know maybe, maybe that's just a weird thing that i noticed because i haven't i've only played a little bit of i think if i remember because you said the wife thing i was like oh i actually remember that a little bit no yeah i think that's very true is that like the first game definitely focused on like the horror and the atmosphere a mm-hmm. bit more than the successive games like as the series went on it got a bit more action focused yeah which, I feel two, you know, they had a really good balance. Two is my favorite, but in three, yeah. it kind of got a bit excessive with the action when it's like not really as much horror. It started going into that Resident Evil trope of like, yeah, let's yeah. just make it really big. And it's like, yeah, all right, but that makes it less scary. It just yeah, makes really it... big, really grandiose and like uh-huh. kind of militaristic in which you're just like shooting yep. guns at zombies, which, which is okay. But, but yeah, something uh, about being... Nice in a military environment in amongst a bunch of other soldiers makes it less scary. Like yeah. any movie, like anytime there's like a movie where there's a horror thing going on, but the military gets involved. I'm like instantly like, ah, oh, the military's here. Like, yeah, maybe they're not the best at dealing with it, but at least there's people here that are like getting involved instead of just a guy doing it all by himself, just trying to survive out in the woods, which I think mm-hmm. is much scarier. Yeah, definitely. It feels like, you almost have like a safety in the ranks of yeah. like fellow soldiers, you know? Yeah. But with like Isaac Clark, you're just like this engineer and you're totally by yourself for pretty much the entire game. Yeah. And as yeah. far as for at least a large percentage of the game, as far as you know, like everybody's dead. You don't really run into really anybody for a long time, if I remember right. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while you'll run into somebody, but 90% of the people that you that are in the game are dead. <laughs> dead people. <laughs> Anybody that you do kind of meet, any survivors, are honestly pretty Not terrible great. as well. Yeah. They're, uh, they're very insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like I was saying is that like Dead Space's kind of necromorph invasion is definitely in like my top five worst case scenarios. And, definitely. Um, one of the reasons kind of for that is that necromorphs, as we'll get into, are extremely violent and brutal as well as very resistant to most forms of conventional harm and able to adapt to almost any type of environment like even the vacuum of space you know and that's not fair yeah like all of this like horror of the necromorphs is there but then there's also like the preceding events of an outbreak which is a lot of like psychological torment you feel Mm -hmm. like you're going insane you don't know what's real like just a bunch of crazy stuff is going down around you and it's just absolutely insanity. But uh, to really kind of understand uh, necromorphs and the true horror that they eventually become and possess, we need to begin with the profane monument that precipitates a necromorph outbreak. 
these mm. monuments are known as the markers. So the markers are like these dark stone structures uh, that can range from several stories tall to being able to fit on a desk. And they're honestly what? very, very menacingly like appearing as well. They're like extremely alien looking. They appear as these two kind of horns that twist around each other in a dual helical fashion. And they're like completely covered in these engraved, strange alien runes. So like, huh. I feel like the second that you see one of these, you're like, man, I don't know what that does. I don't know if it does anything. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like straight like malevolence emanating off this thing, you know? Yeah. They are very cool looking. Yeah, excellent design, honestly. It is a little bit confusing to me, though, that they can vary in size so different so much. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't they all just be the tiny ones? Because then you never have people like, if you have a really big one, everyone knows what's going to happen. Everyone knows, oh, geez, there's a giant statue here. There's something's happening. We got to be ready. <laughs> but if you just make a tiny little one, put it out in the middle of the woods somewhere, no one will ever know. And then the invasion starts, and it's a surprise. Rather than, oh, hey, this makes sense. There was a giant alien statue on our planet, so I guess this checks out. Yeah, well, they also kind of, like, vary in power, I do believe, like, according to oh, okay. size. You know, okay. like, the big ones are kind of, as we get into, affect a larger area, whereas small gotcha. ones kind of affect a small area, I do believe. That um, makes more sense, then. Yeah, and so these uh, markers are also referred to as the Devil's Tail. <laughs> and markers are comprised of an unknown and extremely durable material. Uh, oh. To get into the actual lore of Dead Space, the first marker that humanity discovered, that we know of, was discovered in 2214. So not incredibly far off in the future, but definitely like... Uh, we still got some years. Yeah. Yeah, we got still like 200 years before yeah. this happens. We're good. I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not sweating. I'll be long dead, man. It's Yeah. Um, but this marker was actually discovered deep underwater in the Gulf of Mexico of all places. And it Whoa. was actually part of the asteroid that killed off the dinosaurs 65 oh, dang. years ago. Kind of weird how that kind of all like it's in the circle you know like i don't know i found this like aspect of the war pretty interesting because it's like it feels like almost like pretty real you know it's like yeah i mean what if the the meteor was just like, yeah. we had like this weird alien artifact on it you know that's yeah have, have we gone back down into that meteor to double check and make sure there isn't anything down there i mean i just I'm not <laughs> saying there is but i'm just to be, just safe, to be safe let's make sure let's just <laughs> Make a double check. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of weird though that like they waited so long because that's like I mean I guess maybe in the grand cosmic scale that's not that long, but it feels like what several thousand years later that that's a pretty long time to wait before you trigger it. Uh, like trigger the the mark. Yeah, the device. Yeah, or like do whatever like whatever it does to cause the outbreak. Feels like if it was the thing that wiped out the dinosaurs, but then we didn't really discover it and nothing really happened until 2214. Then like, that's a really long time for it to be sitting in the water yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. I, I guess like one of the reasons why that might be is, um, and this marker is referred to as the black marker. And one of the reasons why oh, okay. 
maybe it took humanity so long to discover is it's interesting is that markers seem to only really be found or looked for or discovered when the civilization that it is probably like unknowingly above it has mm. need of it you know and one that kind of goes gotcha. into one of the uh very special things about markers is that they we will initially seem as like a very wonderful and exciting exciting discovery okay uh, as they emit a highly concentrated electromagnetic signal over a large area and this initially will seem to be a source of unlimited clean energy for a growing civilization so like as interesting uh, in this case, humanity kind of was running out of resources and was looking for alternate kind of like sources of energy. They find like the strange alien artifact that's seeming to solve their problem. And then they're like, great, let's go down there. Let's get it and let's hook yeah. it up and see how she runs, you know? Feels a little too good to be true, though. <laughs> and I, I would definitely, definitely say it is very much too good to be true. It's a trap, probably. Um, <laughs> Because this signal, you know, you may be thinking is pretty suspicious, and you'd be right, because it's uh, not intended to be only a source of unlimited energy. It also has a far more sinister purpose. Ooh. Now we kind of get into how the actual necromorph outbreak starts, and it starts with basically psychological warfare. Huh? So, uh... It's kind of interesting is that the markers appear to almost have a certain level of intelligence as they're able to escalate the level of a necromorph outbreak as it sees fit in a type of like strategic manner. And this also might be kind of a reason why humanity took a while to discover the marker is because gotcha. at that kind of point in time, the marker didn't necessarily want to be discovered until right. it like deemed humanity worthy or ready, possibly. Gotcha. So it just kind of like kept itself hidden and wasn't emitting a super strong signal until humanity got to a point where they could actually do something about it and actually had enough resources. And then it was like, all right, now let's kick things into gear and have people let's get start. it started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kick, make this party really bop. Yeah, let's uh, let's raise the roof, man. <laughs> but uh. It starts each of these kind of uh, different stages that we'll talk about of the necromorph outbreak with a high-energy EMP pulse being emitted, which you might imagine is actually pretty disastrous on mm -hmm. a technologically advanced civilization, kind of even yeah. fitting more into the danger that these things possess. Yeah, I mean, that would be bad on alone. Just that alone would be pretty bad because that would freaking, at the level of technology that I'm sure humanity is at by then, that would wipe out like everything. Like, yeah, that that could cause all like, cars clean. are gone. All everything is just destroyed at that point. We yeah, wouldn't be able to film our podcast. Like, come on, this is, this is really world ending that's stuff. That's the real worst part. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> go back and like listen to our other episodes whenever mm -hmm. you wanted. Absolutely terrible. Like last week's episode about the Frankenstein. Watch now. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> but uh. If you remember back to when I mentioned that the markers emitted a electromagnetic signal, <laughs> um, well, this signal actually has a unique and varied effect upon the human mind and huh. possibly basically every other living creature as well. Doesn't discriminate. Good, I guess. Uh, this signal initially manifests as horrible nightmares 
insomnia, depression, and a unique and extremely dangerous form of dementia. So already wow. kicking off with a bunch of great things. Yeah. Uh, but this special form of dementia relentlessly drives a victim into a state of paranoia and fanaticism. And this can manifest as an intense worship of the marker in which people almost create like a religion around it or mm. compel others to intensively study the artifact. I think it actually depends on like your intellect. Gotcha. Is that like if you're a highly intelligent person, the marker kind of gives you specific instructions and can like kind of urge on that more scientific investigation and discovery of it. Right. Whereas I guess if you're like, a bit lesser intelligent less it's analytical just, at least yeah, yeah less analytical it um kind of just makes you go crazy and <laughs> maybe just seek to worship it yeah i mean that is a like effective way of psychological warfare where yeah. you're making fanatics that will be like unapologetically loyal to you, whatever it is and then all of the you know people that it can actually like use for advancement are mm -hmm you know, still very much able to do that. Yeah. True. Keep the smart people smart and the other people distracted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of interesting is like in humanity's case, uh, a new religious sect was created and they're called uh, Unitologists, which nice. honestly sounds like it could be a real religion. It does. But uh, these people seek to use markers to commence an event known as convergence. Mm. And that's so that humanity might be, as they say, become whole and transcend like existence. Um, honestly, like there's no really way getting around it. These people are just like absolutely insane and terrible. Yeah. Like it's kind of funny is that. Uh, as you can see in like some of the other lore is that like the unitologist church is actually like really sus and mm -hmm. they do a lot of like shady dealings and stuff and like espionage not really good people which no surprising coming from the martyr marker that makes people insane you know yeah it'd be weird if all of its followers were like totally normal <laughs> really like down to earth like very just inviting you people. to their barbecue, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. Like, nothing. We're we're really nice. Uh, that'd be strange. Yeah. No kidding. But uh, as I also mentioned before, uh, there are rare cases of people that have kind of higher intellect in which the marker's signal is more compatible with that person's mind or DNA. And this causes the dementia to instead reveal codes and blueprints for the creation of what are called red markers or artificial Ooh. markers. And these are basically a, a pretty crafty plan by the original marker to further spread its influence to other worlds and colonies of maybe the same race, you know? Huh. Like, say, the race that a marker is currently dealing with is kind of spread out throughout the solar system. I imagine mm -hmm. this is kind of to get a marker basically on every planet, which is that, very crafty. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. That way you can get them all in one go. Yeah. Um, and one such person that kind of had this rare kind of compatibility with the marker, he was actually one of the discoverers of the original marker on Earth. And his name is Michael Altman. And that 
name might uh, ring some bells with people that are pretty familiar with Dead Space. I know he's talked a lot about in at least the second one. And he was pretty interesting in that he possessed a unique resistance to the marker's influence and was able to halt the progress of the necromorph outbreak by creating wow. blueprints for the construction of other markers and this temporarily appeased the marker. This is always kind of like weird to me. It's like a in the ring, you know, when uh, the ring girl will spare your life if you make like copies of her cursed yeah. video. You know, so I guess like the marker is like, eh, you're helping me out. So I guess Earth gets another couple hundred years or so. Dang. <laughs> hey, I mean, at that, at that point, just start churning out markers all day, every day. Oh, no. Like 100 years for every marker. Let's go. Just making it, making markers. <laughs> what yeah, we're monsters, but we're going to live. And the foresight is just not there in that plan. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's just. Just at that point, you make markers, but then you also have a second organization that is just studying every planet and making sure to only put these markers onto planets that are completely barren and like have zero chance of life. At which point, it's like, oh, I mean, it's not our fault. We put it on a planet. Sorry, there's nobody there to actually do anything with it. So you just keep putting it on, on like dead rocks out in the space and then you're good. The marker oh. will never catch on. You can't just build a marker, put a bunch of resources into making it, and not use its energy, right? Oh, right. That's right. What a mistake. What a waste of off of materials. Yeah. So, uh, actually, EarthGov, which is kind of the government at the time, basically had Randy's plan in which they're like, "We're gonna make yeah. a bunch of markers, and we're gonna put them on secluded planets. We're gonna make little colonies around them, just study them, see what they can do, maybe." Maybe a little bit of weaponizing here and there, uh, you know, a little bit whatever of, you feel. Um, a little weaponizing never hurt anybody. Yeah, but uh, like anybody could guess, these marker sites quickly fell into chaos and disaster. Dang and this it. led uh, EarthGov to quickly backpedal and erase any records and kill any people involved with this. Wow, so, how did that go wrong? Yeah. It was so flawless. This? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they essentially like uh, buried any uh remnant of any knowledge of existence of these red markers and i believe quite literally buried them as well on the planets and then they Thanks. like quarantined and like uh for forbade any access to any of these planets as well and kind of getting into the events of the games that we play is like a couple hundred years in the future people have no knowledge of these markers and one of these uh, markers is later rediscovered by illegal mining operations on one of mm. these planets. And this kind of set off a renewed interest in the markers and a resurfacing of the necromorph threat. Because it's kind of insane. Humanity almost got away, you know? Dang. If, if we would have let these things be buried, you know, and let bygones be bygones, maybe, maybe it would have been fine. Just couldn't let it go. Just couldn't forget about it. Yeah, I guess the promise of unlimited energy is just too enticing. Dang it. But uh, back to the dementia that the markers uh, emit. Oh, I the... forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> good one. Good one. Oh, Thank pretty you. Pretty good, man. Pretty good. <laughs> but uh, this dementia progresses in such a terrible way where it causes intense hallucinations, causing the victim to commit horrible suicidal or homicidal acts as Jeez. well as uh, even complex actions to advance the marker's goals. 
So it's um actually pretty terrifying and just super unfortunate how this takes place. Is like these delusions can basically be seen as loved ones pleading with them to make them whole or cause Ugh. people to see others as necromorph abominations when they're really not and then they just basically kill off their co-workers oh because goodness. they're having like a psychotic break it, it gets bad pretty fast <laughs> seriously you can imagine with all this like death kind of going around it creates an abundance of dead bodies just kind of hanging sense. around you know probably too much for the current civilization or colony or ship or whatever it's happening on to deal with yeah know? and this is all in preparation of the next stage of the necromorph outbreak of course there's always a next stage there there's it never could be happy with just killing off all of the population no no no, no. we gotta <laughs> do something else we gotta step up the game again we gotta make it exciting man yeah of course it, can't just go around all everybody just killing themselves that's right. boring this is resident evil we gotta make the next big monster like oh okay now he's gonna grow seven extra limbs and 30 eyeballs it's gonna be <laughs> crazy yeah i mean dead space kind of does the same thing <laughs> but uh so that on to the next stage in the markers kind of plan and this is where it starts getting uh pretty gross and this is when the the signal actually begins to genetically alter dead tissue, Jeez. reanimating it. And so it almost kind of like breaks down dead bodies into this like weird semi-translucent pink fleshy mass Gross. that's known as corruption. Oh. And this corruption is dead tissue that has been altered or reanimated into necromorph flesh. Uh, and all can also take on a like almost like bacterial like pathogenic form Jeez. and this is able to reproduce and spread at a extremely alarming rate like sometimes faster that can be burned or cut away Jeez. so yeah once this uh this nasty like flesh mold starts to spread it's over man you're done <laughs> for might as just... well just throw away your planet or your ship or seriously whatever glass the planet and move on just forget it ever existed yeah they should have taken what was it the forerunners approach yeah seriously take take a hint from the flood wars and just start preemptively glassing planets just to stop the spread that's the solution to everything <laughs> just glass it man in a in a zombie apocalypse just start destroying planets that's the way to go especially once the the, the zombies start being able to like spread in between planets yeah you just just destroy planets at a, at a time. That's the only way. Man, brutal. Super sucks though. Yeah, so so bad. Brutal. It's so bad. I, I guess you could just like drive your ship into the sun, right? Just, yes. Yeah, that is a solution. You just got to make sure that all your escape pods are clean. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot them out first, so that way nobody can get in. Uh. Yeah. I guess if you're willing to kind of sacrifice yourself for the well-being of your civilization. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure. Gotta be certain that the ship doesn't get di diverted right before it hits. You gotta be there till the end to make sure it makes it. You gotta see it through, I guess. Yeah. Captain um, goes down with his ship. <laughs> uh, I guess that is applicable. But um, <laughs> this uh, corruption will create a thick layer of flesh covering walls, floors, and ceilings. 
Gross. This will obstruct doors, vents, and other crucial access points with dense collections of tendrils as well. So it just makes wherever you're living or traversing an absolute hell to deal with. Like, it's kind of weird is that I feel like in the initial stages of like this outbreak in which there's just corruption going around, there's no like active necromorphs yet. It seems like people are like maybe oddly calm about it. Like they're not like super calm, ignoring it. Well, they're kind of, they're basically ignoring it because I guess that everybody's like killing themselves and each other. Everybody's crazy at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like people are like, huh, Uh, there's flesh everywhere. And uh, I try and burn it and it comes back worse the next day. I guess that's Weird. pretty bad. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else will deal with that. That's not me. That's not a me problem. That's a someone else's problem. Yeah, the janitor will take care of it. Yeah, I'm like, sure they've got something to deal with it. it. Yeah, flamethrower can't do it. Deal with it, but I'm sure like get a little Windex and you'll right <laughs> <as> rain. <laughs> Maybe some Lysol. Who knows? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Man, dude, that would be so weird. Like the walls are all gooey now. I'm yeah. sure, like, that's probably okay. Uh, I mean, I've always wanted it to feel a little bit more organic in here, a little more homey. A little bit more so, warm. There we go. Yeah, yeah, quite yeah. <laughs> Alive. So there we go. Yeah. Convenient. Yeah, but uh, to make matters worse, honestly, is that like a lot of the dead creatures will be like half merged into the wall, and I can oh. just see parts like sticking out. It's really gross. <laughs> This corruption will also create like a difficult environment to say the least with these like massive cysts and like pustules expelling foul smelling and hazardous liquids and gases, making Whoa. the environment quite slippery and toxic to <laughs> quite live slippery. In. Yeah. I mean it's kind of funny is that like in the game is that your character gets really stompy and slow when walking on it, kind of like he's really trying not to slip. And you can't run at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Walking through ice all the time. Oh, watch out. I don't want to fall in the goo. Yeah, but it's really, really nasty, like flesh with a bunch of juices on it, man. Yeah. It's gross. I feel like you fall down in that stuff and you're never getting back up. It just like consumes you. It just grabs yeah. on and doesn't let you give up because it's so gross. Well, there's that too, yes. Just just kill me. I'm just gonna lay here. <laughs> this corruption creates basically a pretty hospitable and like optimal environment for the necromorph hordes to come and is an increasingly like lethal and impossible environment for humans that might try and escape so you know like really getting getting people with like with those accidental deaths that just like slipped and fell down the stairs you know every death counts in a necromorph every count But as the outbreak uh, progresses into kind of its later stages, the corruption will also create defensive-oriented necromorphs, and these will be affixed to the walls and ceilings. And one such of these is the Weezer, not like the band. Oh, man. It's uh, a mostly human-looking necromorph that has massively expanded lungs protruding out of its back. Gross. And, like, they're so big that it's, like... Man, it's like basically another torso that's just like popping out of their back and they just like inhale clean air and then they exhale it as like this toxic poisonous gas and like this super awful like coughing wheezing fashion wow come on dude you couldn't do it the other way soak up all the like the air pollution we have now and spit back out clean air 
Everyone would love you if you did that. Still pretty horrible that it's just like these people like affixed to the floor. I mean, yeah, not great, but like you saw global warming, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's what it takes. Oh god, man. Gross. Uh, But there's also like things such as cysts. And these are horrifying pustules that will lob like an organic high explosive at anything that moves past. Like it's just gonna like basically you're walking down a hallway and it's gonna like throw a grenade at you. It's uh pretty dangerous to say the least. But now, as we've all been waiting, on to the meaty part of the necromorph outbreak. The necromorphs themselves. Oh man, but it's so it's so fleshy and meaty and nasty. But uh, as their name might imply, necromorphs are like these horrifying undead creatures reanimated by the marker's signal or by other necromorphs after the outbreak has progressed to a certain point. So like the first necromorphs might be like spawned directly out of like being recombined from parts of the corruption Mm -hmm. or they might just like pop out of morgues or just places where you were trying to store these dead bodies. But as gotcha. we get to the like the later stages, there's actually specific necromorphs that will create other necromorphs. Wow. Um, but this is why the first stages of an outbreak involve like a lot of suicide and, and murder, and this is so that the marker has plenty of bodies and necrotic flesh to work with. Gross. And this is so that the onslaught can kick into high gear as soon as the marker sees fit. Like, I can only... Basically, imagine that like if you ever played the uh, the game Pandemic, I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> is you do the strategy in which like your uh, disease has like no symptoms, you just infect everybody, and then you just like once you have enough like points or whatever, you immediately go to organ failure, and everybody's just like yeah. dying immediately. They can't do you anything just about it. Flip a switch, and the entire world just shuts down. Yeah, that's basically how this like goes down i think brutal and... very very uh successful strategy from uh my plague inc experience but oh was it i think it was plague inc yeah yeah it was plague inc. yeah pandemic is the board game where you're all on a team yeah yeah oh, my bad play. but yeah but very successful but very very terrible in this situation and uh i hate it <laughs> Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrible. Like every stage in the the necromorph outbreak is just the worst, man. Thankfully, this uh, the Plague Inc. game did not have this as an option. I, I feel like <laughs> they, they did have like did not have necromorphs for, like zombies, you know. But maybe they did. I, I never they, played that one. But they, 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 I don't think the zombies were this bad. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So to kind of get into like the reanimating process, because it's actually pretty interesting, although still extremely gross and (laughs) it's pretty violent in that the process can sometimes only take place over the course of a couple first seconds of a creature dying. Interesting. This is generally if they're killed and injected with necromorph bacteria by the infector variant of a necromorph. So... This process is very drastic, uh, as well as essentially causing the host cells to kick into a self-destructive override. Hmm. And within those first couple of seconds, uh, the kind of necromorph contagion will break bones 
and reshape them so that they might be made into new deadly weapons, such as long blades, razor-sharp teeth, and claws, or even becoming projectile weapons. And it will also convert almost all the internal organs into new muscle fibers to further enhance the necromorph's speed and strength. And that's because like these internal organs that would have been essential for like just humans living are now no longer necessary. Yeah, who needs internal organs? Yeah, I overrated. Mean, ne- necromorphs don't like need basically anything to survive. Like they don't eat, yeah. they don't sleep, they they don't breathe. They're built different, to say the least, man. <laughs> um, there's also the formation of new pulsing yellow sacs on them, and these may provide energy to a new necromorph. And as I said, this all takes place over several seconds. And as such, it generates a massive amount of heat. This essentially causes the blood in like arteries and veins to boil and burst. And this causes them to rupture out of the skin, giving a very grotesque appearance. Basically as if they were put through like a meat grinder. Like these dudes are looking rough. Um, That's brutal. Yeah. This uh, transformation also makes them incredibly resistant to damage and blood loss rendering uh, conventional gunfire and weapons ineffective at best. So, at best. Yeah, so any like security crews or military operations are generally very under-equipped to deal with this type of threat and are almost immediately overrun, and it's just complete chaos. Like, If it wasn't chaos before this started, it's just like apocalyptic at this point. Yeah, I bet. I mean, like... It makes sense why they're not alive anymore. They don't need food. They don't need really blood. They don't need anything. So, like, what's going to stop them from keeping coming at you other than, like, ripping them apart, like, limb from limb? And at that point, like, a bullet's not going to do that. Like, bullets are relatively small comparatively. So, yeah, you need there's either. just nothing that humans can do. They're just going to punch holes in these things, and they're just going to keep coming, especially because they can heal. You'd either need really big bullets or a yeah. lot of small bullets, which is, yeah. I think, at any either of those situations, not super practical. No, yeah, like yeah, maybe you can sh- get a tank in there and get some shots off, but you're not going to be able to get every single one with a single tank shell. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's super not realistic way to combat an entire force that takes one tank shell per guy to take down. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, you could just blow off their lower half, and then they're still crawling. True, but you. they're gonna crawl at you, yeah. I mean, you're they're a bit slower, but nonetheless, extremely deadly. Yeah. I've seen that in game. It's not fun. It's terrifying, and it honestly makes them a little bit more difficult because now they're super low to the ground, and they jump at you in weird ways, and so yeah, they're kind of erratic. Once these necromorphs have been created, they have but one immediate goal, and that is to kill any remaining living creatures. Well, that's and a weird goal for them. I would have never guessed. I, I mean, they're definitely <laughs> built for it. But uh, their intelligence on how they carry out this does seem to vary. Uh, some sp- simply sprint full speed, hoping to eviscerate their prey with their newly formed like bone claws or scythes, mm. while others will lay traps or set up ambushes for unfortunate victims. True. Uh, there are also a wide variety of necromorphs that can be created in Outbreak. You know, they have 
basically something to fit every situation and every mm-hmm. style of body that they converted, you know. Just got something for everybody. Great. Just got it all. Yeah. And as the outbreak progresses even further, they can even like meld multiple dead bodies together to create larger, more terrifying and deadlier necromorphs. If the invasion at this point wasn't bad enough, it only mm-hmm. gets worse from here. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to go over a couple of just kind of iconic and maybe some of my favorite or interesting variants of different necromorphs that oh, we yeah. have. We don't have time to cover them all because there's quite a few varieties throughout all of the games and media, but... Yeah, it's because I remember a bunch of them being all kinds of like... Every game seems like it has like 20 different types at least. And yeah. I feel like there's got to be different ones ranging between the different games, so... There's yeah, and like tons. every game introduces like several new ones every of course. time. Yeah. To hop right into it, probably the most iconic variant and the most common would be what is called the Slasher. What? And I wonder where they get that name. I wonder <laughs> why. But uh, maybe it's from the huge like bone size protruding from each hand. I wonder what they do with those. <laughs> <laughs> probably chop up vegetables. Yeah, man. man these guys are great in the kitchen. Man, the marker's just creating the best knives to cut mm-hmm. tomatoes with, man. That's all they're doing. <laughs> it even slices a tomato. Oh, man. Props to anybody who gets that reference, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, the slasher is pretty basic, you know? It's just, like, uh, a pretty, pretty nasty, meaty-looking, chewed-up human that has weird feet so they can run faster. <laughs> weird and, feet, yep. Uh, Now they also have like mini arms coming out of their lower abdomen. Uh, I guess so that's so they can grapple you and have their two scythe arms free. Yeah, they're also you you don't want to have your like main grunt soldier getting stuck behind doors. So like these guys got to have something to be able to open up door handles with. I've seen Jurassic Park. You You got to you got to press the elevator buttons with something. Uh huh. Hard to hit it with like the giant knife thing really yeah. really unwieldy that'd be so funny man if there's like a <laughs> like a zombie outbreak in which they have like knife hands and that's just <laughs> all doors from there yeah and it's like yo dude just build a door in front of them they can't get to you like you're good problem solved <laughs> but uh i mean you might think that like being far in the future you'd be safe from like bone size but these things are actually like, <laughs> super wicked you know they can like even pierce like a reinforced security or maintenance suits that you wear in the games. Dang. And then, uh, for whatever reason, the female variants of the slashers can also spit caustic bile at you if uh, they weren't already bad enough. You have that Strange. to deal with as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, go figure. As you might expect, uh, they attack by simply rushing down their prey and relentlessly stabbing them to death. Or simply, if they're, I guess they're having a good day, they might just bite your head off. Oh, wow, great. What a good day. Yeah. Man, and their definition of a good day is very different from mine. Uh, I mean, at least you go out quick, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but one of the kind of the interesting things about uh, necromorphs is that even if you destroy the head, like a typical zombie, honestly, a lot of times it just makes them worse. 
like with slashers, the if you shoot off their head where their head's just totally blown off, they will just like continue to advance on them on you and continually swing their their sights like super wildly around. True. I mean, they're blind, but they're still going to get you or try their best yeah. to. On to another variant, the Infector, kind of one of the ones that I mentioned before. Uh, these guys are basically their sole purpose is to create new necromorphs by injecting uh, healthy or alive individuals with necromorph bacteria, creating hmm. new necromorphs extremely quickly. Um, these guys look very strange as they appear like a fleshy bat or manta ray. Very unique and, again, grotesque uh, appearance. Hmm. Interesting in a very gruesome way is that they're formed from a human torso with its legs kind of bent up. And then these wide flaps of skin will connect between them, creating these like almost wings. Is that what those are? Those are the, supposed to be their legs. Yeah, seriously. Gross. Eat. I thought that was supposed to be their hands, and they just didn't have legs anymore. They just were gone. No, it, I, they don't have a, a head, or they don't have arms anymore. It's just a torso and some weird-looking legs, man. Gross. Yeah, very gross. Uh, they also have a very long and pointy proboscis to impale and inject prey with. Oh, fun. Nice. Thanks. On to probably one of the grossest and honestly one of my least favorite necromorphs. But I feel like they're still pretty iconic. <laughs> and it's just like, this is probably one of the reasons why the the um, the games have gotten such like a notorious rap for just being intensely body horror focused and yeah. gruesome. Like, funny point is that uh, when Dead Space 2 came out, there was a marketing campaign called uh, Your Mom Hates Dead Space. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those videos. <laughs> yes. It was just a super wild time, man, for freaking the internet back then. It's like basically what this marketing campaign was is that they got like a bunch of moms, I guess, into like a room and they just had a TV and they showed them like death scenes and gory scenes from the game and the moms went like ballistic. It's it's such a wild yeah. thing to look back on, but it was super memorable. So I guess good marketing. <laughs> I mean, to a point, except for the fact that you have to remember, like, half of the people that you're getting to try and buy your game are going to need their mom's permission to buy that game. And so having a whole ad campaign about how moms hate the game and then expecting those exact same moms to go out and buy that game is a little bit of a, a little bit shooting yourself in the foot. But I mean, apparently it worked good enough anyway, because the game succeeded. But I just think it's feels a little bit strange but yeah i guess it was like uh they're kind of trying to gamble trying to make it kind of like edgy you know so it's yeah like, i mean your mom hates it but you'll love it yeah so, like, yeah sneak over to your friend's house and play it yeah hope your, <laughs> hope your friend's mom is fine with play, getting the game or doesn't know what dead space 2 there is. there you go yeah but anyway on to the necromorph we're talking about this one is called the puker what a well, lovely name um and this particular variant has most of its face and front torso completely like eaten away by its own extremely destructive acid. So it's just like a complete disgusting mess. Seriously. It also has three legs for some reason. <clears throat> I was looking back on this and I was looking at the picture and I was like, is that like a weird like 
the picture equivalent of a typo, but no. Right, yeah. No. You got to really get some extra stability for when you puke. You got to really brace yourself, don't you know? Yeah, I, I guess it almost looks like it's trying to like keep two of its legs really nice and pretty, and it just made a new one so it can like mm -hmm. jack it up, you know? <laughs> But uh, this one attacks by projecting extremely corrosive bile from long range that basically slows you down and corrodes like any of your equipment or your suit of armor, whatever you're wearing. Just super nasty to deal with and nasty to look at. Yeah. Our next variant is called the Lurker. And this is a pretty, pretty special necromorph as well as they are necromorphs formed from small humans, which might oh. be like infants or toddlers, you know? Cool. Or I think they could also be formed from like just collections of organs and organ banks, I believe. Gross. Uh, or sometimes dogs. That's horrifying. Let's just know? get everybody involved in this one. Yeah, let's just yeah. get so, the whole family. In... Fun, yeah, fun for the whole fun family. For the... <laughs> Moms might hate it, but the rest of the family is all getting involved. They love it. Even I'm... baby Johnny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's so dark, man. I, I mean, yeah, like I said before, the, the marker doesn't discriminate. Everybody's a necromorph, you know? Wow. Dogs. You could be a necromorph, kids. too. Yep. <laughs> Join unitology today. <laughs> but I mean, I'm uh, convinced. Great great marketing strategy for me <laughs> but uh the lurker is unique in that it like crawls around on walls and ceilings so it can get a pretty nifty angle on you and shoot like bone barbs from its three long ropey tentacles coming out of its back it's pretty Gross. like projectile based yeah these things are like super annoying one of my least favorite to fight because you have to like cut off like the tendrils coming out of its back to kill it but True. these these ones, uh, I think, were also kind of created by the marker to excel in like the zero G areas that you fight in in the games, as they can traverse them pretty well, and they can attack you from like any range and angle. Right. These actually kind of look like the creatures that, like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie that I think it was called The Tomorrow War. Is an oh, Amazon yeah. original. Yeah. Yeah, these kind of look, I mean, these look like a far more horrific, more zombie-ish, less alien version of the creatures from the Tomorrow War. Because they yeah. had those same kind of like tentacles that they would shoot spikes out of. Those, like those are called white spikes, right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. They, they, I think they were called like white spines or something like that. Yeah. 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 Those things were cool. But were these cool. things are horrifying. Absolutely Good. horrifying. And on to... Uh, Another horrifying one as well is this one is called the Exploder. And I always remember these guys for the weird noises that they make when they're pursuing you. Mm. Like it's these weird like garbled yells and they're like yeah. oddly high pitched. It's it's so spooky. <laughs> yeah. These necromorphs are very lanky and thin and extremely twisted and deformed. They only have what looks like the remains of one leg and they also have one very long arm, while the other arm is a huge, large, glowing yellow sack. If they get close to somebody, they will smash this on the ground, causing a massive explosion. 
brutal for like sad for them just going out and committing suicide kind of sad i i mean whatever it takes to kill those final survivors right yeah could not dare even think about having any survivors get out of here no 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 no. you gotta make sure they're all gone i mean you gotta take out any threats yeah yeah random guy in his basement that's just hanging on for dear life he's definitely a threat hey man every dead body counts <laughs> uh but onto perhaps one of the most horrifying and twisted necromorphs this one is the guardian uh this necromorph is basically part of the corruption being permanently affixed to a wall and it's used Chris. to ward off attackers from sensitive infected areas. And this one is really just horrifying because it's barely even resembles a human. I mean, you can kind of see like a human face in there, but all mm. it is now is an extremely twisted, screaming mass of blobs of flesh and tendrils. Yeah, it's like, I would say barely human is an understatement. That thing is like, it's dire. <laughs> it's so far removed. It's. I wouldn't even be able to tell you that that used to be once upon a time a human. I would just say that that was a totally new creation, if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess it basically is. It probably only keeps like the, the human aspect to like scream, so it can like lure in Gross. other people, you know, so it can quickly either decapitate them with one of its tendrils. Or oh, it can cool. also produce a lump of flesh that can shoot bone spikes as well. You know, so it's it's pretty versatile. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if cool is the first <laughs> yeah. thing to mind. Um, wow, so first neat. Word that came to my mind was what a creep. <laughs> yeah, very neat. I'm big fan. Why don't we have those? Onto kind of some of the uh, more advanced variants of necromorphs. These kind of appear later in an invasion. And some of these are composed of many assimilated bodies. Uh, one of these would be the Tormentor. So is there like no in-between? Like it just went from like bony guys. Yeah, I mean, there kind of is an in-between. Like some, like I know I kind of skipped some, but like I said, I can't cover all the variants, but there are some variants that are just like two human bodies or like only a couple you know there's like mm-hmm. necromorphs called like the brute and stuff like that where they start getting the amalgams coming in yeah they're like about as big as like a gorilla so they need like several people or like life forms squished together but they're gotcha. the tormentor that we're that we're talking about is uh quite large mm-hmm. just yeah you know just to say the least quite um, large it it takes kind of the form of this uh, large arched over necromorph made up of many assimilated bodies and it has many long limbs of uneven lengths and widths. You know, I guess you didn't really care too much about symmetry, which symmetry fair. is for losers. Seems like he works the same either way. Um, but this uh, tormentor also has a large fanged mouth with pincers in front of it. And these are able to tear a victim and completely in half you know wow you're just done and these are extremely violent and relentless as well as durable making them an extremely dangerous necromorph seriously this i i I, this is totally not appropriate for sure 
because uh, this is super gross and not yeah. not very nice. But in my head, I just keep thinking, I can't help but think, kind of along the lines of those uh, the jars with like the the jelly beans in them. Of like, man, I wonder how many jelly beans are in that jar. <laughs> but in my head, I'm just like, how many people are in that tormentor? Like, how many people did it take to make one tormentor? So oh, like, man. twenty people? Is it fifty people? What's what's the tormentor made up of? And it's that's gross. Guess how many people make up the tormentor and you win? <laughs> I don't know. Get to be the Uber morph or something. Yes. <laughs> I assume that's good. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, all, <laughs> you're all dead either way, and just, relative good. Yeah. But uh, kind of more about the Uber morph actually is this one is probably kind of the most unique looking necromorph it's kind of interesting is that like its origin is kind of discussed quite a bit in the fandom of dead space uh, as like the way it looks pretty unique is that it's only like remaining human feature is basically that it's still like a bipedal being you yeah. know and it just has that like basic body shape but its skin and overall appearance is much different looking much less mulched than a lot of the other necromorphs as it yeah. possesses like smooth dark brown skin it also has uh five kind of red eyes going around its head giving it a very alien appearance like some people wonder if this is even like maybe a reconstructed form of a earlier race that either made the markers mm. or was maybe taken over by the markers simulated before. by them yeah that's interesting although it's not as big as some of the other necromorphs it's just as if not more deadly and this is due to the fact that it's able to almost instantaneously regenerate any lost limbs so you like take this thing down to like a headless torso it's regenerating everything back in like, a couple of seconds yeah these things are relentless also pretty unique in that its behavior is pretty different from a lot of other necromorphs. It acts as almost, almost kind of like a commander, like kind of sitting mm -hmm. behind the horde, uh, possibly even controlling some of the other necromorphs to kind of coordinate them so, so they can attack better. Gotcha. So As I stare at this, it kind of reminds me of an insect mixed with the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Yes! That's so true. It's, uh -huh. it's very insect looking, but it also has like the almost pretty exact like body, like hunched over body shape uh -huh. of a Demogorgon. That's kind yeah, of crazy. And like its head is very Demogorgon-esque looking. Like not the fact that it like it flowers open, but like just the way like it's, it's hunched forward and it looks kind of like weirdly alien like that. I don't know. Hard to describe, but yeah, kind of just the vibe that it, I get from it. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. <laughs> Onto kind of like the last variant that we'll be talking about. And this one is actually the boss of the first game. And this is what is called the Hive Mind. And this is one of the largest necromorphs. And it's formed from thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of bodies. Like an insane Oof. level. It's huge. And How many this... humans are in that jar? Yeah. I imagine you get to win a car or something if you just... <laughs> Yo. Yeah. But this is kind of like a certain level of endgame for an outbreak. 
And yeah. uh, the hive mind appears as like a massive worm-like creature. When you're fighting it, you don't even see like the entire thing. Like it's just like kind of peering Jeez. over the deck of a ship and it's just Gross. trying to slam the crap out of you with like its tentacles. It also possesses like a large circular mouth consisting of two sets of jaws. Not yeah. one, but two. And each of these has their own razor sharp rows of teeth. And uh, interestingly, and kind of similar to the Ubermorph, uh, the hive mind has five large glowing yellow sacs that may serve as eyes that are kind of around its mouth. So some people theorized that the Ubermorph could be like a early, uh, like proto hive mind, like. After the infection will progress to a certain point, it'll assimilate more bodies if it maybe it sees like enhanced threat that demands this. If it needs more computational power. Yeah, more processing power. <laughs> Neurons. The hive mind is quite deadly. It has a wide variety of attacks from spitting out pools of acid or other necromorphs to just throwing explosive sacks at you. It also can just simply crush you with its massive tentacles. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a pretty straightforward way to go. Yeah. Also, an interesting thing about these guys is that they can be seen as conduits, uh, acting as kind of like a relay for the marker signal, able to control oh. lesser necromorphs to an extent. Again, perhaps like the Ubermorph. Huh. Let's say you're deep in the midst of a necromorph outbreak. You're wading yeah. through the bodies. You're wondering what to do. You're shooting these dudes with like your little pistol. It's not doing mm -hmm. anything. What do you do? I've been wondering the same thing. I've been holding out for that information because I am right there in the trenches, trying to survive. Well, man, I'll be uh, I'll be praying for you, sending good vibes Thanks. your way because Yo. I'm I'm not betting on you making it out. Wow, jeez, man. Hey, sorry, well, man. The thankfully, good vibes. Yeah, <laughs> good vibes is all I need. Uh, it's, that's what I've been hoping for. I'm ready to take on the army now. Yeah, but uh, if you yourself find that you're facing down a bunch of pissed off necromorphs trying to tear your head off and activate a <laughs> convergence event, uh, this As is what you. you probably want to do to at least protect yourself and maybe, just maybe, try and stop this outbreak. Even though necromorphs are extremely hardy, as we've discussed earlier, and they are able to resist normally lethal damage, they do have two very significant weaknesses that you can use to your advantage. The first, and very signature to the nature of Dead Space's combat, is to disarm them. Quite All literally. right, let's take their guns away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, as they don't have guns, you need uh -oh. to take away their sharp pointy things, and you do this uh -oh. by cutting off their limbs or any appendages that wow. they would attack you with. And as we kind of referenced before, Isaac Clarke is actually very well suited to the protagonist of the game as he is an engineer he has a access to a wide variety of very fun weapons mm -hmm. that are very good at disarming uh yeah necrotic bodies um he does this with weapons such as the plasma cutter or he can use gravity tethered circular saws or even a handheld super collider contact beam that is used to shatter small meteorites, but works just the same on necromorphs as well. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, necromorphs are just like meteorites. Built I mean, the same stuff. Could probably be about the same size, you know, same durability. <laughs> yeah, I mean, built different is what I've heard that they are, so makes sense. 
Yeah. Uh, but the other weakness that you might have more access to uh, that the Necromorphs have is to extremely high heat or flame. And although larger, more powerful Classic. Necromorphs can be resistant to a certain extent to this, hordes of smaller Necromorphs are highly susceptible to this and will create a charge husk that the marker can't really continue to animate to attack anymore. So wow. I'm trying to have a flamethrower. There we go. Everybody has one of those, right? Yeah. Right? So just go down to your local supermarket, buy a flamethrower, get your uh, your famous Elon Musk flamethrower, and you're good. Man, that would do so poorly. <laughs> that crappy little flamethrower. You would have to be way too close to them for any benefit. Yeah, I, I think you would sooner uh, cook a piece of toast than survive a necromorph outbreak with that thing. <laughs> So we've talked about kind of how you can kill the necromorphs so that you don't immediately get eviscerated on the spot. But this yeah. doesn't really tackle the source of a necromorph invasion, the marker. So what the heck do you do about that terrible, pesky alien obelisk that is just making you go crazy and literally driving you insane? Cool. And... One of the reasons why this would stop a invasion is because if you destroy a marker, all the necromorphs around it will be reduced to a lifeless flesh slurry. And this is as the marker is quite literally holding them together. So cool. good to know that if you're able to do this, you're pretty in the clear. It's that classic uh, video game trope or, or movie trope where like you kill the, the general the thing in charge and all the other things just kind of melt. Quite Fall literally, apart, yeah. Lose direction and they just can't fight anymore <laughs> they just give up and literally yeah. just melt they lose the will to live i mean all you got to do is destroy that little pesky marker but uh, Easy. easier said than done oh, as uh it's highly resistant to basically any form of physical attack and the only times that we've really been able to see a marker be destroyed is if you drop basically an entire continent on it from orbit or yeah. if you were to throw the marker into a massive spaceship reactor core, that'd probably also do the trick. But uh, that's pretty hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just get a giant spaceship-sized or planet-sized reactor, and then you're good. Problem solved. No, oh, like the sun? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just pilot oh. your planet into the sun. Problem solved. You know, you if go. we could just bring the sun and our yeah. planet together... The necromorphs mm. and the marker would go away. Just put a bunch of jet engines or rocket engines onto your planet and just steer it into it. This is genius. genius. Absolutely genius. Foolproof. I'm all for mm -hmm. this. Yes, sir. Solved. You do, though, have to make sure that you completely destroy a marker because if there's any fragments remaining, they can still be dangerous and emanate the same electromagnetic signal, though to a significantly decreased degree. Mm-hmm. And also kind of neat little caveat is that if you're the person who created the marker uh, that you're trying to destroy, the marker will need to assimilate you before convergence convinces. And Weird. Yeah, if the necromorph hordes that threw it your way, you know, those were no big deal and they didn't kill you at all and you beat them easily, uh, the marker will attempt to drive you to madness by battling yeah. you in your own mind literally like a psycho battle man crazy and if you beat the marker in this kind of uh situation the marker will be destroyed 
home free. Wow. It sounds easy. I don't understand why this game existed. It's like not yeah. that hard to get rid of things. Literally so brain dead. Like five mm-hmm. head, man. Like just come yeah. on. Just like beat it in a battle of wits. I've seen it done in uh, Princess Bride. It's not that hard. And then you're good. Yeah. You may be wondering, I've kind of been poking around at mm-hmm. the term convergence event. So what the heck does this actually mean? Like, what are the Necromorphs actually trying to do? What is their goal in just indiscriminately killing anybody and everybody and trying to progress as, as quickly as possible? What's the marker trying to accomplish? I figured that was the goal. It's just just kill everybody. Oh, well, they're a little bit deeper than that. You know, give them some credit. All right. Hey, yo, you know what? I'm wrong. But uh, if the Necromorphs reach a certain critical mass, they will gather around a marker and start what is known as a convergence event. In this event, the marker will use its gravitational powers to ascend out of the atmosphere into orbit, pulling all of the created Necromorphs with it. It's actually a little bit funny looking until you see what it creates. Yeah, Um, it does sound fun. All of these amassed Necromorph uh pieces of flesh and like different beings will accrete together around the marker forming a new moon-sized necromorph known as a brethren moon what a cool name i don't know i think it's pretty cool it is kind of funny but all i can think of is like just like a religious person it is a brethren moon well i mean there's there's some intensely like uh religious kind of like overtones like essentially especially since like this is unitology's like True. this is essentially their chosen day or like special day or like prophesied day whatever you want to call it this is what they're looking forward to they love this man yeah i i don't get it are. but i guess this brethren moon will also take part of the planet's crust with it it will pull this into orbit, Rude. creating a protective shell around the Brethren moon. Well, I mean, the planet's not going to need it, man. Uh, you know? What about the last, like, two people surviving that were hiding down underneath the crust of the Earth? Oh, They're going to well. need it. Well, the Brethren moon's just going to eat you real quick before it leaves. Oh, well, okay, well, that's not what I was looking for. Yeah, probably not what they are looking for either. But these Brethren moons are basically unstoppable, as you can imagine, a like moon-sized life form would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a massive maw surrounded by several glowing yellow eyes as well as thousands of humongous tentacles that can be thousands of miles long. These things Jeez. are massive to say the least and absolutely terrifying. Like we've reached like a, a uh, like eldritch level of horror at this Seriously. point, I feel. The only time that we know of that a Brethren Moon was ever defeated was in the third game where Isaac Clark was able to use an ancient device that an alien race created. And this alien race was actually the one previously consumed by the Necromorphs to create this Brethren Moon. They used Rip. this device to freeze their newly created Brethren Moon as well as their own planet. So they kind of sacrificed themselves to keep this thing in stasis. The Brethren Moon oh, nice. was actually not dead at all. It was calling out to other markers as well, like asking people to turn it off and Jeez. come help. Thing. Yeah. This is basically the Necromorph's endgame, converting entire civilizations into new Brethren Moons 
and then just going about and ravaging entire solar systems. And if you thought one was bad, there's actually an entire network of brethren moons, and they're able to telepathically communicate with each other, and they're actually the source of the marker signal, as they oh. uh, are the ones that kind of are slinging markers around the universe. Uh, it's unknown if they target specific planets or not, or if they're just, what are we just chucking them in a direction? But this is kind of where the uh, marker that we know of on Earth, the black marker, the one that was part of the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, it was probably right. thrown by a brother and moon. So, like, but how do they, do we know how they make them? Do they just, like, because it sounds no. like they're just, like, giant fleshy blobs out in space floating around, like, but then yeah. these markers are made of stone or some weird material. Are like, how do they make these things? We, we don't know that, I assume? We do not. That's kind of the unfortunate thing about Dead Space yeah. is that after the third game in the series, it kind of uh, didn't do very well. And the game studio that made uh, Dead Space was actually disbanded by, Aww. of course, EA. Ugh. You know, go figure. And the so, real villain of the story. <laughs> yeah. For for the longest while, we thought uh, we would never get any more Dead Space, and that was going to be a just darn shame because this franchise is, like, super fun and yeah. had, like, pretty great lore and a very unique gameplay experience and it was a very, like, interesting, like, horror kind of aspect. But recently... Uh, a remake of Dead Space 1 has been announced, as well as part of the old team that made these games branched off and are making a new game called Callisto Protocol that looks Whoa. absolutely horrifying. Yo, if, sounds good. If not more than like the original Dead Space. One thing I also wanted to touch upon was uh, there's also actually in real life kind of a theory known as the Fermi Paradox. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's basically like a collection of theories that try and explain this paradox of why we can't see or haven't found any evidence of any type of alien life at all. And okay. in the game lore, uh, the reason why they say that humanity at this like point in the future where we're kind of like going from planet to planet and have, still haven't found anything is because these brethren moons have literally ravaged and consumed everything else every other living creature in the entire galaxy if not universe hmm. and have essentially created a dead space there you go uh, yo is, that's actually a pretty pretty cool connection yeah. to that I, th I thought it was pretty nifty it's maybe a little bit on the nose but hey no that was him. awesome that's a really <laughs> clever connection that's, I mean, also by that's by itself a very cool theory of like, maybe not something so sinister as this, but like, interesting thought of well, maybe there is something out there and a reason why that we haven't seen any aliens, and it's not just pure bad luck, or actual yeah. lack of aliens. Maybe there is something a cause to it. Hopefully, it's not something like this. Hopefully not. Oh God, man. I have heard the theory that like. I don't know how many people actually believe in it, but there's people that believe that like maybe it's 
there's a whole alien civilization, whole alien like government, whatnot, group of civilizations that exists out there, and that they just re- like refuse to interact with civilizations before they reach a certain point, so that way they don't interfere with their like progression. So that like maybe there is a huge civilization that like does exist, but they're keeping us separated from everybody else in the universe themselves included so that way we can develop on our own and then when we get big enough then they'll be like hey okay so like we exist welcome to the universe but yeah kind of kind of like um, i believe some governments have like placed bans on like visiting some very remote like native peoples on like islands that have had like no like connection or interaction with modern society and they're just like hundreds of years behind us but we're waiting for them to get to like a point where they're ready yeah that's exactly an interesting proposition but like i mean there's plenty of like theories to explain the fermi paradox and this i think is like the absolutely most horrifying worst case scenario and if this is true i think i would just never sleep at night ever again seriously (laughs) yeah if i find out that that's a thing i'm just like well cool this is a universe i don't want to live in thank you very much yeah everything is terrible no thanks bye see you later um like what would be your reaction if tomorrow you wake up on on the news they say that they find a thing like that they like they we found this crazy alien uh structure that's been buried down underneath the earth and here it is we've pulled it out it's awesome we think it'll give us unlimited energy yeah it's it's amazing it's given us so much knowledge already just after like a couple of weeks of having it turns out I it's not die. awesome it's absolutely horrible it's killing us right now immediately help us exactly. please <laughs> Yeah, no, that, would, that be... would that would be terrible. But I mean, I think this is why. Well, part of the reason why Dead Space is horror works so well is it's just really gross. I think primarily, mm-hmm. but body horror is pretty pretty bad. It's pretty solid. Yeah, but I think this puts just like a a little bit of a nice existential cherry on top. You know, yeah. <laughs> of just like if the the body horror and the gore and the flesh and the like all of the terribleness was not bad enough this is just like everything is just absolutely yeah hopeless. yeah you know it goes great with body horror existential dread it's just they work so well they don't feed into each other at all no <laughs> way my absolute worst nightmare but <laughs> i also think this is kind of why i love like dead space so much yeah. it's just I don't know, like, even before we started this podcast, I kind of really loved, like, just going through all the, the lore and learning about it. I just found it Definitely. exceptionally fascinating. And it's that morbid curiosity. Yeah, and for all of you guys listening that have gotten this point, uh, thank you so much. Like, yeah. this has been kind of a bit of a passion project for me, and I'm really glad I was able to touch upon Necromorphs at this time. I just have such a good memories <laughs> of playing this when i was a bit younger you uh-huh. know and uh i i love the games love the lore it's just such a special thing for me but... seriously i i definitely remember having very vivid i don't know if i was i mean, i personally won't call them good memories but i'll call them vivid memories of these games <laughs> and the first times i played them having nightmares afterwards because I was like, I was probably too young to start playing them, but they're very, very yeah. cool games, and like, definitely stuck with me over the years. Yes, so. absolutely. 
But I think that'll just about do it for us with this uh, extra special episode. And like I said, just huge thank you to everybody that's listening currently. You guys are the real ones. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to check out more horrible things or maybe some even kind of goofier, lighthearted episodes that we have, we do have those too. Um, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at Vanquish Vanquishers Pod, as well as on TikTok, which is just the Vanquishers Guide, I believe. Brad's doing some excellent content there, as always. As always. And get ready for next week, our really sought-after episode that everyone mm-hmm. in the world looks out for. Uh, clamoring yeah, for. Our, <laughs> our three-part episode. Part two. Yeah. But, um... Also, I, I was checking our Spotify the other day, and we have, Yo. like, a lot of really high reviews. So if you did that, thank you so much. Like, absolutely from the bottom of my heart. My I really mean that. Yeah. And if you haven't done that, I really appreciate <laughs> You're it. You're still my hero, but... <laughs> but, you know, we still love so. you, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thank you all, and have a wonderful continued spooky se- season, and see you next week.